in the Bible. Acts, the 27th chapter, one of the greatest stories of destiny in the 66 books that God has given us. Everyone in this house can relate to in our lifetime. We have witnessed or we have seen through the news media a tsunami. The tsunami in Japan had significant apocalyptic importance. Say that word fast, apocalyptic importance. Uh, the Bible says that in the last days, the earth will be like a woman in travail, a woman giving birth with the tsunami that hit Japan. The four plates of the earth, the axis shifted exactly eight inches. We know that eight is the number of new beginnings, but eight is also 10 centimeters. And we know that when a woman dilates 10 centimeters, she is ready to give birth. The birth canal is open. And so we see the storm that touched and took I think 150,000 lives in just a moment, we witnessed that. Some of us have been to Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and we've seen the ruins of Katrina and Rita, and we saw uh, hurricanes that literally have literally devastated. Uh, my cousin runs a crew. He has several people working for him. All they do is take chainsaws and cut all the trees that were trashed in Katrina and load them up and take them to a paper mill. I asked him how long would the job take, and he said it won't be completed in my lifetime. That was a de destruction that Rita and Katrina brought to our nation. All of us have witnessed and been victims of the tornadoes that have hit our area and other areas we have in our house or survivor. Um, I, I, want, I want to share, if I may, is it okay if I share just a little bit about about that, Valerie, uh, when when the tor when the tornadoes were when the news media said that tornadoes would, were going to come, they came through, and Valerie and her precious husband felt like it was safe, and they went to Captain D's, and they went to get in line to get food food to go, and what usually takes about five minutes took 45 minutes, and they were griping each other how long it took. They got back to their development, and there was a tree blown across the road, and a police officer. And the police officer told them a tornado's come through and has removed two or three houses. Actually, it turned out to be 16 to 20 houses. Uh, Valerie left her husband, just had surgery. He had lost his leg below the knee, and she left him in the car, climbed over the, the debris, went up the road, and the tornado had picked her house up, turned it sideways, broke it over its knee, and threw it back to the Uh, he was, as I mentioned, he was left for dead. He saw nothing but 
to her suffering. God takes the sting out of her life. God begins to use her to bless others. I have a lot of friends who are Christians, and I pray that God would help them out in this dilemma that I believe we find ourselves in. It's always the price attached to it. Always. There's a price attached to obedience. There's a price attached to commitment. When we say, God, we're not going to leave you until you do this, that we say, powerful story of Onesimus, the Apostle Paul, and the heart of hearts of Jesus when he was approached by the audience of the Sanhedrin, the disciples of the Church of Rome, and he called them to go and deliver some amazing tales of the acts of redemption that God had done for them while they were facing a moment of conflict. Augustus' fame, 
And in this gift of prayer, we're going to respond to the invitation that the Lord gave us. One area originally we were Macedonian, Thessalonica, and Philippi. The next day we had to decide to leave the city and call you to liberty to go with your friends and to refresh yourself. And when we launched our business, we built the Cyprus Church. It's a conflict. It's a conflict. Anytime you're doing what God wants you to do, you have an opportunity. Anytime you're doing what God wants you to have an opportunity. I say it again, the opportunity. Sometimes the opposite is what you need to be doing. Sometimes the opposite is what you need to be celebrating. Sometimes the opposite is what you need to be doing in your life as far as doing what you're doing. Sometimes it's just like you said, the opposite is doing what you're doing in order to get ahead. Get ahead. And then we were tipped with nothing but the motor. They didn't have any new gutters. That's how they were doing it. They were slow and they were in a state of no company. The only way that they could guide them was to direct them by the stars. And what did they do? They turned to the stars and they said, that was our inspiration. And they had Turkish Christian missionaries there in that city of Malta. Godless heathen come, and he came by to get the last cup off and heard her praying, asking God for strength, asking God for groceries. And he said, Would you like to come around my house? I can get you some groceries. So he went to this young lad that was poor, bought two big old bags of groceries, and he brought them to her and said, Here you are, take them to the house of the Lord. And she saw that young man. She said, How many times have you let him talk and just run? Wasn't that fun? I'd, I'd do that in that many a day if I thought I could outrun him. I'm so slow, they'd probably catch me when I got off the porch. But he knocked on the door, left the groceries, closed the door, and showed him the young man. And now he was not only saved, but he was out an hour later back in his disciple. Grandma, what's going on? He told him. He said, look what God provided. Look at your groceries last week. God did the rest. God provided. He knows that. God gives. He doesn't even cross. God provided them. So they're, <coughs> they're going somewhere. Paul knows that he has to stand before Caesar. Last Sunday we talked to the importance of knowing your destiny, knowing your purpose, knowing the plans that God has for you. You know, you don't have to see the plan. Sometimes you just know the plan. The Bible says that the Lord knows our thoughts far better than we know our own thoughts. Okay? So your thoughts have to be consistent with the plan that God has within you. About you, one to another, the bride of Christ, you're part of the family of God, you're all that God wants you to be. Sometimes we can just confirm our destiny to line up with what God's word says that we are and what we're supposed to be doing and where we're supposed to be going. Does that help anybody? So Mary was, they made up their mind, they're going to sail, they're going to sail south, they're going to leave that port, they're going to go partying there, and they're going to go where the party is. Let me skip down, if I may, just a little bit. Um, 
verse 7, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over to Miletus, we might not suffer as we sailed to Crete, over to Pamelus. And hardly passing, it came to a place which is called the Fair Haven, and nigh where lived the Jews of Judea. And when much time was spent, we sailed from Mycenae, and fast and hunger were passed, and Paul admonished us to stay in Asia if I may. The fast is a reference to the day of atonement, and that was one of the days in which the Apostle hailed Holy of Holies and Life of Blood. That was the fifth day of October. Most sailors knew it was crazy to sail Those were months that you did not sail without protection of some kind. The clouds were black, the moon and the stars were active, the thermometer was high, and it was cold to help you keep out the stars. It reminds me of a Pastor Ron and I met him a couple years ago. I didn't know him then, but I know him now. He was a uh, finalist to ever win the crown for the Pulitzer Prize for his title, The Power of Prayer. And he brought me to his house in Iowa and we sat at the table and we just had prayer. And that was the key thing. How many times have you discovered that maybe you're here, you've done stuff, I mean, you've even called for a headwind outing. It didn't matter that we were going for the, the corporate house payment. It didn't matter that we were barely making our house payments. We had to have that motorcycle. Come on, wives, help me a little bit. We had to have that dirt bike. We had to have that four-wheeler. We had to have that garage. We had to have gotten the things we did. We thought if we got it home, the wives would be fine. And we probably should not have done this. We probably would have gone and paid for the expenses. These guys are making sure that they are getting where they're getting, and they're not going to be talked out of it. Watch what Paul says in verse 16. Here I perceive that the exploits will be first of damage to you, not only to the lading of ship, cargo, the lading of ship, but also of our lives. So Paul wants to provide for the church and not to put it on the church. That's not the way it's done. It's not that you can say, okay, this is your time. You don't want to fail in the storm. You're not just going to use all your cargo, all of your vessels, all of your money to do this. You're going to use it for the ship, but you're probably going to use it for the cargo that you can also put in the ship. So the guys are going to go, not just to use the ship and the cargo, but to receive from the God. But here's what happens. The Greek sailors that were on this vessel, the parting in the Greek in Genesis 1 was they talked to the captain. They decided not to follow the advice of Paul because the haven was not commodious to them, nor to part advised to part thence also, if by any means they could obtain the sea and the land, which is the haven of the Jews, lie towards the south of us in the land. Watch this. And when the south wind was proper, supposing that they had attained their purpose, leaving the ship, they sailed to Corinth by Crete. Watch this. The first thing the church when we call it faith, we call it luck, we call it happenstance. But a lot of times it's happenstance and victory that God has given us. Our definition is that we grab straws. We're not talking to anybody here today. You'll hear a, you'll hear a song on the radio. Oh, that was just God's purpose. You watch that show. Oh, that was God. You read something in the book. Oh, that's God's but we are 
were loaded. And sure enough, we went to the store for a buck, and we said, well, what do you want to do? And sure enough, we went and got that buck, and we went and got that buck. And can I tell you, that buck was priced in. It's nowhere, it's nowhere to be found. It's supposed to be over here in Norway, and it's like the kingdom of Norway or something. And I, I can't even remember the name of it. Somebody will know it. So, so we went and got it, and we found it, and we bought it. And we took it to the store, and of course, we didn't know it was a copy of the Sermon on the Mount. And these guys made up their mind, we're going to Absolutely. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a manifestation of the Antichrist and all of these things that come in and it's crazy what what they're hoping. But I believe in my heart of hearts that they're going to be in our lives and they're going to say, let's do some more hurt and let's get out of this beast and we're going to do much hurt, much, much harm to them. But I tell you what, the Father is going to do it. He's going to turn us from our ways. And that's what Pastor is saying to us today, that we have to turn to the path of God and change the plans of the enemy. Not long after her fortune turned, there arose against me such a thing as caused me to be cut off. The ship was caught, and could not bear up the wind, and we were left on dry bottom. What the Jews had done is they had taken a sail and moved it into the sea with the ship, and they just left it there on the bottom of the sea for quite a ways. And there are people in your life that have been watching you for many years, and they see you doing something that they know is sin, and they do whatever they can with absolutely no consequence a result of the price of what they're preaching in your life, relating with anybody in this room or still in the day. They're going to say to you, who are we that you would say such things to us? Isn't the one you love loves us and we've read through the chapter of the theme song and we've read through that one verse that, that, that we live that lifestyle that we don't do the things that we would like to say that we would do to you. How can you give an example to them and communicate to them? You're going to have to pay the price for that. You play the game, you're going to become a thief in your family. You're going to catch up with people, and you're going to be responsible for some things. I have people in my life that have been around for many years, and this is how public figures they were. They lived their life the way they wanted to live it. And today, they don't just have one or two. They have three children, and they're sad, and they're terrible about their life because they, they got deadbeat dads, and they're trying to pay all the bills and keep everybody in the building. You got people, I got people in my life that did that, and they came out here and left me because they wanted to be real protected. And now they've got all kinds, all kinds of issues, all kinds of challenges, all kinds of things wrong with their body. And I'm saying, this is what they were trying to do. This is what happens when you're not careful. You get so complacent and you get so consumed by the things of the world. Paul said, Demas, I beseech you that you love the things of the world. You get so overwhelmed by the things of this world that you'll do whatever it takes to keep that appetite from you. You'll do whatever it takes to play that game, to, to, to buy that toy, whatever it takes to keep you safe. good news is the word says this about grace that brings it around. Aren't you glad that when Paul was on the ship, that, that other guy was on board, the Bible says that he was preaching the freedom of name. There's freedom by sin, and they were praying, God, don't take us from this land of bondage. And there was a great storm and a tumult arising among them at that time. And running on a certain island called Claudia, we had kept along the side of the road. And so they got some help from under them, and they got some help from the sail merchantmen to bring them to sail. They liked it so much that they went the first day, and the first day was something bad, and they took all their belongings and they went to Rome. I have a friend who uh, 
all the struggles of the day, of all the darkness, of all the problems. I cannot, I cannot rest in that. Valerie, I, I cannot rest in that. I cannot, I have, I have done this enough. I have done enough. I'll do this better tomorrow. Okay, you have done this better today. Right? Now, it, it, against counsel, live. And I believe at some point you get to a place in your life where you realize it doesn't matter. Things doesn't matter. Joys doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're close to God. We've got a destiny God's spoken to watch over it that will come to pass and we must be unashamed in any way in our life. I'm preaching this. I'm clapping. Let me know when somebody comes today and says, I'm clapping today. They'll clap for me at lunchtime. The third day, someone said the third day, we with our own hands cast out the tackling of the ship. Now notice now what they've done. Because this main mast is right in the front of the boat, the boat's kind of squirrel. It doesn't run very, run very well with the mast in there. They take all the ropes, all the sails, all the tackling, everything. They throw everything overboard. Listen, all they're concerned right now is survival mode. Can anybody relate to survival mode? I remember when I was unemployed, I got $76 every two weeks. I spent $35 on marijuana and $35 on Butterfingers. That's called survival mode. I have people in my life that, that their survival mode is ramen noodles. Am I helping anybody in the building? You can, you can feed yourself with ramen noodles. These guys, these guys realize right now this is really serious. This is not a game. This is not a, this is not a toy. This is not just one of those Bill and Ted wild adventures. This is life-threatening, and we may not survive. They throw everything overboard. Let's read a little farther. And this is where we're going to start preaching. You ready? And when sun nor stars, and remember they had to guide themselves by the stars, in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, and they're in a storm, all hope that we should be saved was then taken Christian, I have people in my life that have absolutely no hope. No future, no dreams, no plans. They are at rock bottom. They're at a place where everything, everything gone wrong, there's nothing they can seem to do right. And they absolutely, they don't believe in Santa Claus. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus or anybody or, or anything that can help them survive this boat. about the length of this room and about the width of this room. It's about 30 foot long. It was about 60 foot wide and 40 foot high. We're talking about a pretty big boat. We're talking about a time when there was absolutely no refrigerator. All this air is in this boat. There's no Beatles songs going on. Hello. There's no elevator music. They're not holding hands by the campfire singing Kumbaya. They're not having pine cone testimony. They are at rock bottom. But aren't you glad that no matter how low you get, God always has somebody that's got a hold of what's going on. God knows how to send the right person at the right time with the right message. Today, Linda Miller was sitting in the hope and prayer connection. And, oh, my 
of the faith. That's on the way to the church by calling us up by the church and having us up front. I had a privilege to lost his job, lost his family, but he kept coming to the closet with bad news, bad scenes in his life. And I kept telling him, stay away from me. Stay away from me. He kept trying. He kept coming back to me. He just needed Pastor Hank to pick up the phone. God nudges you to pick the phone up. When God nudges you to drop by somebody's house, that's when God wants to use you to do more because they have given up all they have to talk to your neighbor about getting into the church and hanging out with you. Listen to what happens on the next page. He lost all hope, but after long abstinence from the sin by the church, 14 days, Paul stood forth to demonstrate, sirs, I told you not to do that. Hello. I told you you were going to do that. Listen, you don't know how many times in life as a pastor I want to say, I tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. Can anybody relate? I tried to tell you this would happen, but you would not listen. Listen to what Paul said. He, 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 he admonishes them by saying, we should have never been in this situation. This was It's not God's will that you should be in this. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. It's not in God's order that we must fill it with things that God has purposes. Help me, use Jeremiah 29, 13. 12 and 12 and 13. I know the plans I have for you. They're good for you, right? That's what it says. 29, 11. I know the plans. I have good, I have good plans for you. And that's what Paul said. Guys, you finish what you started. God had a word that was cut to you. You guys wanted to party. Here we are, much harm, much loss, but it goes on, it gets better. Look at somebody and say, after correction, always comes counsel, and then comes correction. Now, I exhort you to persevere. Lost all their hope. They have, no, they have, they have absolutely no prospect of survival. For thou shalt be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Notice verse 10. I perceive this voyage will be certainly damaged not by the letting the ship, but also of our lives. If you don't catch this, think no. Catch this, Matt. The word of the Lord that came to Paul that said, if you leave this place and you forsake the word, okay, because God gives you opportunity to come back to it, doesn't affect you physically, that this could kill you. Paul told me, this is what God told me. You don't need to leave. It's about a good time to go. We're going to leave. God's going to use us on the ship. But after a 14-day fast, look at someone and say, 14-day fast, seek prayer and fasting to be apart from the presence of God. God said, life is a loss, but all of a sudden, 10 verses later, Paul said, not one single life will be lost. Aren't you glad you got a Paul on board? Aren't you, got, aren't you glad that you have a friend that sent this Paul Miller brother, that no matter how dumb we make mistakes, no matter how stupid we reach out there, God will turn around and say, if my people called by my name, so humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and, and I will hear from them with their sins. Thank God for revival. Thank God for restoration. Thank God for people that will come and pray. I want you to see this in verse 13. Uh, verse 19, the angel of God, whose I am, 
I serve, things that are not small, thou must be brought before the chief, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was Justify what you've got to say to make you stay with me. And he said, Tonight, there stood by me the angel of the Lord, and two other angels which followed Gabriel, all with a loud voice and saying with a great trumpet, Father, Son of Man. But here's what Paul said There stood by me this angel of the Lord, who I am, it's important, watch this, to belong to him. We're not talking about your special relationship. Talking about a life relationship in life, it's impossible to not belong to him because when you belong to him, the impossible becomes possible. And Paul said, This night, the angel who I am and whom I serve. Watch this, it's important not just to worship God with your life, but the things you worship God, the Lord asks us to do. He come, he said, You can't just worship God, you worship all kinds of other All my mind, everything is devoted to him. I worship God, and I serve him. The third revelation here is that the angel of the Lord is also the angel of God. You've got to stand before him. That's your destiny. That's your purpose. I don't care that you start from hell. I don't care that you give and crash and burn. I don't care that you start all the tackle over board. You are going to stand before Caesar. The Holy Spirit picked Isaiah up by the hair and carried him through the mouth. The Holy Ghost, if he's got to pick you up by the hair, Paul, he's going to get you. Some of you are trouble. You have no hair for the Holy Ghost to hang on to. But people call, Paul, you are, whatever, you are going to stand before Caesar. You are going to, as I stand on this gate, not one person with you is going to lose their life. Not one. Look at somebody and say, thank God there was a Paul on board. Thank God there's a Paul on board. He said, nevertheless, now watch this, watch this. Now, Lisa, he starts telling the Guys, at this point, you've got to do that. Okay, he's not a prisoner. He's a prisoner. He's not, he's not, he didn't come here as a prisoner. He's a prisoner of the Lord. He's part of the ship. Now watch this. He needs to go to a certain island, verse 26. And the fourteenth night was come, and he was going up and down in Asia about midnight. The ship had seen that they drew near to Cyprus. They dropped the chain, found it twenty fathoms, found a little farther, found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing that we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast anchors out of the ship and prayed for us for a day. You're probably thinking, pray for a day. Okay? So watch this. Four is a cool number. Bible says that there were three sailors who would anchor out to the north, anchor out to the south, anchor out to the east, east, anchor out to the west, and they would do it. Every area that they cast the anchor out was covered. He said, it tells me that there was on April 4th, the Lord came in there, said uh, that a jetty was about to be built. 
Everybody knew that Paul was coming in to Jerusalem on his first arrival. And this was kind of a real spicy event. It was a long procession of guys all arriving. This guy is getting all the ropes out. it's tattered, though it's beat up, though it's gone through all kinds of stuff. God knows what we're made of, and God knows there are storms that are going to come our way, and he wouldn't allow us to go through them because he thinks that we can handle it. But my hope and my trust is not tying off to a domination, is not tying off to some hero, some rock star. I am tied off to the king of glory. He's the anchor of my soul, and I'm here to tell you today that my anchor holds. It can withdraw any storm, any hurt, any pain. Very quickly, 10 till 12. And we're trusting God. There's got to come a season in your life where you surrender. The song says, all to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Have you surrendered all? Or have you surrendered 20%? Have you surrendered 90%? Is there still a partial of you that's still holding on that feels like, well, I can handle this. I, if God doesn't show up, I can make this happen on my own. God wants you to turn everything loose and let it flow. Third thing, is that what, what God wants you to have? is hope. There's an old adage that we've heard, and we have probably said it time and time again. If Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Can anybody relate? If Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And that's where we come, that we believe that God can do what he says he can do, and we give him room to work in our life. 
The fourth anchor, and this is very ironic, the fourth anchor is that when Paul gave them food to eat, they gave thanks to God for the food. They give thanks to God for the storm. They gave thanks to God for the good times, for the bad time. In everything the Bible says, give thanks. You don't know what is working to your good when something bad happens. Hundreds of stories could be shared. I remember one story in particular. A guy in our church was working for a company. Uh, there was a lot of tension, a lot of friction. He was making fairly good money. The boss decided that he wanted his nephew to have this guy's job. So without any warning, with no, with no leave, leave of absence, he fires him on the spot. The next day, the guy's in my office saying, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, don't, I said, listen. God knew this would take place. God knows you need to work. God knows you're raising a family. God knows you need money. God's in control. You've got to trust God. Go put, in, put out some applications. He got a job working for a car dealership in Toyota, and, and, I, and, and, and we tracked it. The next six months of his life, he made more in the six months of that, of that job that he made in two years for the previous job. And today, he's running his own. Uh, he guides uh, moose and elk. He's a, he's a top-dollar guy. You go pay him money. He puts you on a moose or elk. He's still prospering today because God knew he was going to get fired. And God knew if you put your trust in me, if you put your hope in me, put your confidence in me. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed out begging for bread. I need a friend in the house that would give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I will conclude with the part of the story that we miss sometimes. Some of the guys on the boat didn't want to go the way of the plan. So in deception, telling the captain that they were going to put the skiff out to work on the anchors, they planned to abandon ship, planned to flee. They decided not to follow the plan of God. They didn't put their trust in God. They didn't put their faith in God. They put their trust in their own ability to survive. And while they're lowering the boats down, the life the lifeboats to the to the sea, God wakes Paul up and shows him what's going on, and Paul goes to the captain and said, Sir, if anybody leaves this ship, they will not survive. I have a word from the Lord. If anybody the captain <coughs> had so much confidence in Paul, he stopped, he confronted the guys, stopped what they're doing, put them back on the ship, and guess what? Not one single life was lost. You know, I think that I think that what God is telling me that in my in, in my life, I watch people blatantly do dumb things. Watch people blatantly walk away from things of God. And there's a part of me sometimes that just wants to say, well just let them go. But the captain of our salvation says, if you let them go, they can survive. You might be the last connection to someone's destruction. You might be that one that God wakes up and says, hey, they're trying to run from me. They're trying to run from my plan, trying to run from my purpose. Here's how you need to pray. Here's what you need to say. Here's what you need to do. Aren't you glad that there is a spirit of intercession that God has invaded the church with that we wake up in the middle of the night? We don't know. I got up at 4 o'clock this morning. I thought I got up for one reason, and I got up for another reason. Got up at 4, turn the TV on, drink coffee at 5, 6 o'clock. I've had eight cups. I'm ready for church. Unfortunately, nobody, nobody else was here, so I came and turned all the air on. You appreciate that? Was that nice of me to do that for you? Turn all the air on, make sure you had it. 
The last thing that I want to say in this, in this story. The Roman law said, if you had a prisoner, and that prisoner got away, then they took you and then cited on you the punishment they would have put on that prisoner. Remember Paul and Silas were in jail? At midnight they praised, you know what happened? All the chains fell off, and the warden, the prisoner keeper, came out and saw all the doors were open. What did he try to do? Because he knew that he was going to be assassinated because he allowed these prisoners to escape. There's something cool about that story. When they, when they pioneered the ship into a reef, the Bible says the bow of the ship was secure, but the stern got trashed. That means the, the boat was just broken in half, and it would just begin to fall into pieces of wood. All of the soldiers went to the captain and said, let's kill the prisoners, because if they get away, then we are going to be responsible, and we're going to be assassinated. But watch this. The centurion loved Paul so much to spare Paul's life, he spared all their lives. And I love about this, he told the ones, hey, how many, how many, how many, how many you can swim? We're, we're, show me the ones that can swim in this house. You can swim. Now, now, we're in a storm. There's waves in the ocean. It's raging. It's rocking. It's, okay, you can swim. Let me see, let me see your hands. Show me. Show me your hands. Okay. The captain told them to get in the water first. You know why? Because there were people about to enter the water that didn't know how to swim. And not only were you responsible for your own safety, you were responsible for helping somebody out. What a great word. I mean, what, what, what a great word. That for the sake of Paul, 270, I don't know how many of those were prisoners, but for the sake of Paul, Paul had 270 Aren't you glad that you're connected? Aren't you glad you're connected to a family compared to the world? Aren't you glad you're connected to a globe and not just to the United States? Aren't you glad you're connected to the world? As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, Matt, if you'll come help me. If you're here today, and, and I know there are those here today that are going through storms that's crushing them, Lord. But if you're here today and you're disconnected from God, you're disconnected from the creator of the ends of the earth, you're, you don't have a personal relationship with, with the Lord, you, you don't belong to him, you don't serve him, you're trying this morning to believe the word and believe the report, but you're, you've wandered away from God and you're not where you're supposed to be this morning. I promise you, I will not embarrass you or point you out or, or bring attention to you. That's where you're at today. Would you just put your hand up and put it right back down? Just put it up, put it right back down. See, all of this, everything today is for you. Here's what he wants you to know. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. And to acknowledge today that you have need of a Savior, it fulfills his destiny. His destiny was to seek and to save those that were lost. Today he has sought you out. Today he has found you. 
He will not force himself upon you. He will not manipulate you or deceive you or trick you. He said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. There's responsibility attached to serving God, responsibility attached to seeking living for the Lord. But living for the Lord is a lot easier than dying for the devil. Serving God and following his word and honoring him is a lot easier than winding up in the pits and the storms that we have brought upon ourselves. He knew you'd be here today. He knew you needed to hear this word. He knew the enemy wouldn't like it, would try to fight the pastor. He knew we'd be on a time frame. He sought you out today. You lifted your hand and you lifted your heart. That connection has already been made. I found you. I saw where you were. I came to you. I bound up your wounds. I fed you. I restored you. I placed you next to my heart. As a shepherd carries a lamb with the broken foot, so today will he carry you. The trust factor is you've got to believe that he has heard your cry. You've got to believe he's heard your prayer. You've got to believe that he wants you more than anything else in life. And you've got to thank him in appreciation of God. There's not really a whole lot that I can give or do, but you love me for who I am, not because of what I've done. You love me for who I am. You've come to me today. I acknowledge my mistakes, my faults, my sins. I acknowledge that I have sinned and fall, fallen short. But today I ask you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to be the light and darkness, to be that friend that sticketh closer than a brother, that I'm on this ship and I'm, I'm going through the storm, but I trust you. You know what I'm made of, and you, you, you think I can do this with your encouragement and hope. God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to push a little harder. I'm going to get what I'm after. I'm going to get those things I feel in my heart I'm supposed to get and do those things I, I feel like I'm supposed to do. Restore to me my salvation. In Jesus' name. If you pray that with pastors this morning, know that God not only has heard, but God has responded. God immediately has stood. And right now he's delegating angels. The Bible says the angel came to Paul angels to come to your behalf to work things for your good the angels of goodness and mercy will leave this place with you